Blue Wire. Why didn't Taylor Jenkins challenge that call? What are we oh. doing? What oh, are we're we gonna, doing? That's that's bad. I'm gonna add this to the uh, the outline, and yeah. that is Quinn is going to coach circles around Taylor Jenkins because he's a lot better at coaching basketball and has a better basketball team to coach. Okay. Three, two, one. Welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah Jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network with me, Sarah Todd, Utah Jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News. And as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, are you doing okay after last night's game between the Grizzlies and the Warriors? I have taken a lot of garlic. Shout out to garlic, garlic. which lowered my blood pressure to semi-healthy rates because I was at like 160 over 90 for the entire like second half just like I looked like you know like the 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 riled up semi-horny wolf that you see on Looney Tunes whose heart is just like beating out of his chest and his eyeballs are like boy that was me after every single jaw moran drive and floater in the paint we officially know that the Jazz are going to be facing the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. What a break for them. Uh, also, a congrats to the Celtics, Wizards, uh, Lakers, I guess. Um, Way but, to go. But congratulations to the Grizzlies. Upsetting the Warriors in that play-in game is just, it's absolutely insane. Incredibly deserved. And we're not here for the people that are mad about the Warriors missing the playoffs. I'm just going to come out and say it, that Steph Curry hasn't made the playoffs since KD left. Just <laughs> yes. saying, just saying. He also hasn't made the playoffs without Clay. We're focusing on KD right now. Poor, poor Clay. I really can't wait until he's back on the court. I really hope that Clay Thompson comes back to his normal self and that the Warriors do get back into playoff contention because it is fun when they're, when they're playing well. And I mean, I don't know a lot of people who don't like watching Clay Thompson play basketball, but you know what? Better luck next time because they're not in it this year, but the Jazz are. The Warriors had two shots to make it. They, they, had, they, did. they had two chances at getting into the playoffs. They couldn't get it done against the Lakers and they couldn't get it done against the Grizzlies because apparently Grayson Allen is a Hall of Fame player. <laughs> you blew it! <laughs> Let's talk about maybe that first play-in game between the Lakers and the Warriors a little bit. What did you think about the way that that one ended? I, I mean, I was kind of poo-pooing the play-in game, as is well-documented on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And one thing to know about me is that I'm an incredible dumbass. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, can, I'm I can vouch for that. <laughs> stupid, stupid man. And I was wrong again this is the accountability podcast i'm taking accountability for my takes the plane plane was awesome it was incredible uh i'm all in and i no longer care that the jazz in the number one seed and they didn't know whatever i'm here for fun and that was fun and i will say this 
the Jazz made a lot of shots this year. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the statistically the greatest three-point shooting team of all time. They made 1,205 three-pointers. Yes, they shots. averaged 10 threes a game, which is kind of unfathomable. However, however, I will say this, that LeBron James hit the biggest shot of the season for the Utah Jazz. A 33-foot fadeaway three with apparently half vision. <laughs> well, yeah, while well, seeing three baskets and, and you know, yeah, doing the, uh, doing the Rocky thing, you know, aim for the middle. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I'm not really here for the theatrics, but yeah, at whatever. the same time, like, it's LeBron and it's a, it's a show and, you know, if it's more WWE-esque, whatever, it's fun. But the big thing is, is that the Jazz will now, they won't see the Lakers until the Western Conference Finals if both teams get there. Because that fadeaway 30-footer buried the Warriors, the Lakers secured the seventh seed. And there's also something kind of poetic about LeBron James. He hit that shot over Steph Curry, who's inarguably the greatest shooter of all time. And I don't know if you've seen the memes that of going around the Twitter sphere, but Steph's face after that shot is just, just chef's kiss. Just mwah. he's absolutely disgusted. He's incorrigible. I mean, and he's Fl- gonna- I don't even think flustered is the right word. Like he's just, he's despondent. But also so understanding too, yes. because he's like, I get it. I like, I make those shots all the time. Like no one understands that moment more than Stephen Curry does. And who has been privy, who has witnessed LeBron James greatness when the stakes are at their highest more than Stephen Curry? Yeah. I mean, they've been standing in each other's way for a long time and the battle, the battles are numerable. There is something definitely poetic about it. I think more poetic than anything that we saw out of the Grizzlies game with the Warriors will be pointing to that moment for a long time. I think when we're, you know, the Warriors history is written for these two years missing the playoffs. Also, can we just officially dead the narrative that LeBron James is not clutch? Because (laughs) how many times has he done this in like huge, huge games? And he's got more buzzer beaters than I think anybody in the playoffs. I don't care if this isn't, this is the play in. We're calling it the playoffs. It was basically a game seven. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Greg loves the play in. I'm all in now. I don't, yeah. I've been converted. I've seen the light. I've accepted play in Jesus in my heart. You know what? I think the thing about the plan is, is like, we're, it's not going to be assured that every year we're going to get something like this, where two teams like the Lakers and the Warriors who were expected to, or who very arguably could have been much higher in the standings are the ones that are battling for that seventh and eighth seed. You know, some years it's going to be bad teams playing for the bottom seeds. But if this keeps going, some years it's not going to be. And we're going to get games like this. And these already, I think the Lakers and Warriors and the Warriors and the Grizzlies, like those are two classic games. Like those were absolutely wonderful to watch. I loved every second of them. I mean, they took all of the best things about March Madness and then they added in NBA players who are actually good at basketball. Absolutely. Uh, It's very exciting. Great break for the Jazz, not having to face the Lakers until the Western conference finals tough break for the Suns, maybe, maybe also tough break for the Lakers. I, I mean, that's a good matchup, but uh, it, the Suns 
100%. There's no way that they wanted to see the Lakers in the first round. Nobody wants to see the Lakers. And like, I think that the Suns are kind of ill-equipped to guard the Lakers. Yeah. Who do they have that they can put on LeBron or AD? We already talked about AD and AD dropped uh, like 42 on them the last time they met. Right. Crowder's not guarding him. Aiton's not guarding him. Bridges isn't guarding him. And all of that also applies to LeBron James. So I, I still think it'll be a bit of a slugfest. Uh, I picked Lakers in seven, but ultimately I think the Lakers prevail, which is a really tough break for the Suns who have had a miraculous season and absolutely deserved the two seed with how they played. Yeah, I, I'll take the Lakers in six over the Suns, uh, mostly because exactly what you said, who's going to guard LeBron James? And I think that it'll probably have to be Jay Crowder, but... That's, Didn't we see that in the yeah. NBA finals and what happened there? Right. It's that's not great. If, if that's your best option, I mean, Bridges is too skinny. Ayton is too slow. And there he's going to be, he has to be on AD. Uh, there's just the, the sun's defense has been good, but it ain't that good. So I, I think the Lakers are going to take that one. Uh, it might be competitive, but I still don't count the Lakers out. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun series. I actually really have my eyes set on that series because there are a ton of narratives. Really quickly, before we get into some more, like some deeper Jazz Grizzly stuff, uh, looking ahead, if slash when the Jazz make it out of the first round, they'll be facing either the Dallas Mavericks or the Los Angeles Clippers in the second round. And I, I mean, being on the other side of the bracket and that being your potential second round match is just so, I think it's so, so much better for the jazz because the idea of having to face either like the nuggets blazers or Lakers being in that other part of the bracket for the second round, like it's just worse. The only bad option out of in the second round is the Clippers. That's probably how it's going to end up, but right, it's one bad option instead of three. And we've talked about this already and like you're not going to avoid good teams playing in the western conference it's going to be a bloodbath and like it's kind of one of those things that you kind of have to just rip the band-aid off like you're gonna have to face good competition sooner or later so why not just make it sooner also it's the playoffs yeah not up or shut up yeah let's go (laughs) so the jazz are gonna face the grizzlies Games one and two at Vivint. I mean, they're hosting the they're hosting home court advantage throughout the entirety of the postseason, no matter how far they go. Viv is going to be crazy. It's going to be it's going to be bonkers, especially <laughs> when you add that like you add the bubble last year and fans all being at home and not being able to have that experience. Like, it kind of feels like a little bit of a powder keg. Right. Like there are, there's so much energy there that is just waiting to get released. And jazz fans are notoriously raucous to begin with. So I think when you add up all of those variables, it's going to be volcanic. I can't wait. I, I'm so excited. I booked my travel to go to Memphis for games three and four. And it just, it feels like things are slowly getting back to normal. The fact that I'm going to be traveling for basketball games, it feels great. I feel like my job is getting back and the playoffs, there's going to be more people in the building. I just, I want to feel that atmosphere. I'm ready for it to happen. It's going to be a very good time. As much as I think that the jazz are, could sweep the Grizzlies, 
I think it might be a little bit more competitive than that. I mean, I think they could. I don't think that they will sweep them. Yeah. I think, and no matter what happens, this is going to be such a fun series to watch because, you know, for jazz fans, it'll be great. I think that we're going to get showings from, you know, great showings from all of the jazz players, but the, this Grizzlies team is so much fun to watch play basketball. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited. And I do have a favor to ask you. Yes. If I drop off some aluminum foil mm-hmm. at your house, mm-hmm. will you please bring me back some ribs? I will lovingly put those in my checked luggage. I'll bring <sighs> you ribs. Uh, I will warn you, I did get food poisoning when I was in college for eating like old ribs that like sat out for too long. So, <laughs> well, I we're mean, gonna need, we're going to need some dry eyes to do some special I have, packaging. <laughs> I have some superior genetics when it comes to my stomach. So here we go. We're going right. to make this work. Uh, and also I'll be in Memphis over Memorial weekend. That's going to be, <laughs> Oh, that's going to be wild. It's going to be weird, man. It's what a weird time to be starting the playoffs, but I'm so excited. And I'm so happy you're fully vaxxed. Oh, so vaxxed. It's insane. I'm ready to go. Let's talk about this Grizzlies matchup. Yes. It's a young team. I think that the biggest, the biggest disadvantage outside of anything that's matchup based is going to be fatigue for the Grizzlies coming into this game. They played the Spurs on Wednesday. They played the Warriors last night on Friday. That game went into overtime. They didn't go back to Memphis. They traveled straight to Salt Lake City uh, on Saturday and uh, really, you know, no time to get in a good practice. They need to get as much rest as they can. They got to turn around and play at altitude on Sunday. If anyone can turn around and come up with some energy after that, though, it's this young team. Yeah, I agree. But let's also uh, note that I don't think the Grizzlies have been home since the since before the end of the regular season. Right. Because the last game of the season, they were in San Francisco playing the Warriors. Right. So they have not been home in a week. They're going to play, I think, four games in six days. And now you're playing at altitude against the number one team in the NBA. I I mean, like you said, if any team can come and have some energy, it's a bunch of 24-year-olds. I think I was reading that this is the youngest team to make the playoffs uh, cumulatively since that. uh, Since the KD OKC team. Yeah, since the KD OKC team. So this is the youngest team in in a decade to make the playoffs. They have, they're fresh, they're young, but still like that's, that's a hell of a hill to climb. It is a hell of a hill to climb. I think like. I would not be shocked if game one was a blowout. I think the game two will be much more competitive, but I don't know. We'll see. Stranger things have happened. And those narratives can fall on both sides of the line because you can right. say, well, the Jazz have been, they haven't been playing all week. And basically the Grizzlies are already in playoff mode. They basically played two game sevens just now. They're ready to go. Yes. And so you could go on both sides of that. Jazz argument against that would be like, yeah, we've been resting our players. They're going to be fully healthy. We're going to be at full strength. We beat you three times doing that. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, and also to that point though, is that there's a hell of a difference between Kavon Looney and Jakob Pertle and Rudy Gobert. Yeah. <laughs> there's a hell of a difference between Toscano Anderson and DeJounte Murray and Donovan Mitchell. Yes, there is. Like, so like I said, hats off to the Grizzlies for doing that, but you're you're taking a very giant step up in competition. Honestly, I think that it says more about how little the Warriors 
had to fight with this season than it does anything else because we talked about this on previous pods that the game plan for the jazz against the warriors would have been you know pressure steph curry and make sure that he works for absolutely everything and then you'll beat him everywhere else that's exactly what the the grizzlies did with steph they dylan brooks hounded the hell out of him and yes he's a dog yeah and steph curry got his but it was not it did not come easy and then the grizzlies came out on top yeah i tweeted it out today i said that the warriors deserved to miss the playoffs solely on having the audacity of believing andrew wiggins could be a competent basketball player yeah i've said it before andrew wiggins is not keeping anyone up at night no (laughs) (sighs) it makes me so sad he was supposed to be maple jordan (laughs) i just like I have no belief in him and I, I feel bad. I just don't believe. It. And I've heard all of the things that have been coming out this season. He's been, you know, the latter part of the season, he's been nearly all NBA defense. I did watch him block LeBron shot the other night, but how did that are, end up? There are other times where he's standing on the floor and like he makes a play or I should say doesn't make a play. And I'm like, where is your mind right now? Where are you? <laughs> Took a contested mid-range jump shot yeah. in the middle of the shot clock in overtime last night. And then had, you know, had the, the opportunity to tie the game up in overtime as well. And I don't even think he drew rim. Like it was just straight backboard. I feel like there, I feel like there's no way the Warriors don't try to package him. Somehow. They got it. They got to do something. I also think, I, I mean, I'm not fully out yet on James Wiseman either. I know he was disappointing this season as a rookie, but I still think that he has the, I think he has the intangibles. I think he's going to eventually be very good, but we're talking about a guy like he missed the majority of his rookie season. He didn't, he missed his freshman missed, year in college. He missed college. <laughs> he missed so his like, rookie season. Yeah. Like there's, he has, he has a long way to go, but if you watched him this season, there were those flashes where you're like, okay, once this guy gets some experience, gets more comfortable, once the game slows down for him, he has those intangibles. He has that athleticism. Once he pieces it together, he's going to be good. Yeah. I'm not concerned about Wiseman at all. I mean, if you expected Wiseman to come in and make the Warriors better this season, then you're you don't understand player development because he, this kid is as green as green could have got. He right. was, he was a traffic light. It, it totally makes sense that they had trouble with him in the lineup and that in and out uh, they were dealing with lineup issues and moving around all season. And I'm, I'm just not surprised at all that James Wiseman no. needs a little bit more time back to the Grizzlies though. It's not like we've ever gone on a tangent before. So that, that no. was new. I think that an interesting storyline, I mean, everyone's going to be talking, but you're going to hear this so much over the next week. Mike Conley's return to Memphis. You know, you're sliding Grayson Allen a little bit too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Grayson Allen's return to Salt Lake City. (laughs) His tenure here was spectacular. So I'm really, really looking forward to the dedication video. Yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. I, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it. I retweeted what the Grizzlies tweeted out. They had like a, a pump up playoff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here Very video. good. Oh, my God. The production was so perfect. The Grizzlies have this video that's like pumping you up for the playoffs. And, it, uh, you know, Mike Conley's era in Memphis was known as the grit and grind era. And the Grizzlies are now calling this era 
the next generation. And they had this shot of Mike Conley bending over in a jazz uniform and just slow motion. He starts to stand up and move away. And the person that's in front of him is John Morant. And he just like looks up straight at the camera. It's so good. Martin Scorsese. Level good. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're doing. Yeah. I, uh, I just make movie references now. Um, <laughs> um, this is a movie pod now. <laughs> oh my God. It would be the, wor- I don't ever invite me on your movie pod. I, it would Welcome be to the Todd pod. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> but Mike's return to Memphis. I think we talked to him this afternoon after practice about, you know, what that's like. And, you know, he's as shocked as anyone that the Grizzlies first time in the playoffs after he left is going to be against him in the jazz. It's just, that that's an interesting coincidence. He played it down a little bit like, oh, you know, I don't know if I have an advantage, you know, or it being like a home and home series for me, basically. I don't care what he says. That guy is, oh. so, that guy is so comfortable in FedEx forum that I think that he's definitely someone to look out for. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get another two for 13 Mike Conley uh, playoff elimination game. You know what? If we do, if Mike Conley fizzles, in the playoffs, I will admit my wrongs. So this is the accountability podcast. And I should say, I will also fess up. I never once thought the Grizzlies were going to beat the Warriors. Never once. No, I, I, I didn't, didn't think so at, at all. I was cheering for them. Yeah. You know, I am the lifelong Memphis Grizzlies fan, man. <laughs> I didn't think they, I counted them out completely. And the thing about young teams and especially teams that have absolutely nothing to lose is that they will play harder than just about anyone else. They went balls to the wall. Yeah. And it was so fun to watch, man. Like I, I cannot profess my love enough for the Memphis Grizzlies. I love the way they play. I love their entire team, except for Dylan Brooks and his flopping. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not scared about them. There is nobody on the Memphis Grizzlies that keeps me up at night who I think, I just don't think they have that guy yet. I think that jaw is very close and he was fabulous against the Warriors. It was kind of his, his coming out party, but I'll say this. If John Moran beats you in the playoffs, you deserve to lose. And Quinn deserves to get fired. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's like jaws, a 30% three point shooter. And he shot 50% right last night from three point and like while i acknowledge and respect his ability to step up to the plate in that game Mm -hmm. i realize that he has the ability to do it i don't trust that he can do that consistently enough through a series to be that level of threat i do not think that john moran is going to shoot 50 percent from three against the utah jazz it's not going to happen yeah and if and if he does again a huge indictment on the jazz's game plan right And I just, I mean, across the board, I agree with you. I just don't think that they have the talent. I mean, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., who we love on this podcast. Huge fan. Huge fan. He just came back in like late April from that meniscus and they're bringing him along slowly on purpose. But I mean, is that enough time to ramp up to where you're going to be the defensive threat that you need to be? And I mean, who are they going to put him on? Are they going to put him on Boyan, on Royce O'Neal? It's a weird, I mean, and they'll probably look at it as like a, an advantage. Like they've got a, a length and height advantage. I mean, if you put him on Royce, it's like wasting his defense because I mean, Royce isn't going to be like taking a ton of shots. He's going to be working more as like a little bit of a facilitator and a cutter. Uh-huh. If you put him on Boyan, I just think Boyan is going to have a first step on him. 
Yeah, so, and not just that, but you're also putting Triple J on your your third option. Right. And obviously Dylan Brooks is going to be on Donovan Mitchell. That's going to be the battle at the top. I think it's fair to say they'll just go at each other. And sure. that'll be fun. I think that Donovan will still get the best of that matchup like he did in the regular season. He but- cooked Dylan Brooks in the regular season. That was, um, we talked about it on the last pod. My favorite moment of the season was him dropping 20 on his head in one quarter, looking at him and saying, get the f- off the court. I, I think it should be noted though, that in order to get Donovan to that level, to that, that headspace, uh-huh. it takes a good defender, right? The yes. only reason Donovan went out and cooked him and got to that, you know, had that sort of bravado was because he was pissed off that Dylan Brooks was guarding him so well. Yeah. He, he has that about him where he plays. He's one of those guys who plays better with a chip on his shoulder. Like he kind of has to find a little bit of that motivation. We saw it. Uh, I think that the penultimate moment of that was the the game a couple of years ago in, against the Pistons where that exactly. fan was heckling him in the fourth quarter and Donovan, I don't know. I think he reeled off like, six or seven straight points and this is your fault you did this yeah yeah you did this and that's all it took and that game was a wrap and I think that Dylan Brooks is that kind of a guy who's just a a very good defender I do not want to slight him I think that the all defense buzz is warranted but that actually I think plays in the favor of Donovan however I am a little skeptical I'm or skeptical is not the right word but curious as to what Donovan Mitchell do we have? Is this guy 100%? I know he came out this week and said that his ankle injury was much more significant than what was led on. Is he in the right place mentally? We're going to need Donovan attacking and being active and being aggressive because passive Donovan Mitchell is a recipe for disaster. And if his ankle isn't at 100%, I'm still a little, little worried, a little curious about that. Maybe I should be more worried but I'm not. I mean, we talked to Donovan a couple of days ago and he seemed like very calm, really mature about the situation. He's like, you know, the goal is for me to play. I'm, I feel like I'm ready to play 48 minutes, but I want to be smart. I want to be, I want to make sure that I'm there for like the full playoff run. But again, something that he, he brought this up two days ago and I've been talking about how he won't stop bringing it up. He said, you know, I keep thinking about the way that things felt when we left the bubble after blowing one lead to Denver, he was like, I told everybody on the bus, remember this feeling, remember that we were tired after game seven and it doesn't matter. Everyone's going to be tired. We have to be better. And so I, I I think that's a huge thing. I think this team is motivated as hell. Yeah. You know, these guys, they like this, all this talk about players shutting off their phones and not reading the comments is utter bullshit. They see your tweets. Yeah. They read the, your YouTube comments. They read the Instagram captions. This team knows that they have been slandered. They are, they're motivated and they want nothing more than to prove everyone wrong. Exactly. As you said, that kind of stuff fuels Donovan. 
And it doesn't even have to be like against him. Dylan Brooks being a pest is going to fuel him. Uh, him constantly thinking about getting knocked out of the playoffs. Everybody talking about him online, talking about the jazz. All of that is going to fuel him. But also like we saw when Joe Ingles got mad at someone for some reason on the court, if someone else starts to get fired up around him, he's like, oh, hell yeah, let's do this. Oh, and yeah, so, it's, it's contagious. It's incredibly contagious. And I, I just think that his... His mindset is at a different place than where we've seen him before. Yeah. couple more points that really play into the Jazz's favor in this series is first, like the most, the, the cornerstone of this entire series is that the Jazz are a terrible matchup for the Grizzlies. Yeah. We saw it in the regular season. The Jazz went 3-0, including a, a back-to-back win when they did that weird baseball series. And the biggest reason why, the Grizzlies are a poor outside shooting team. And they get the majority of their points in the paint. Mm-hmm. And the Jazz have Rudy Gobert, right. who is absolutely the series X factor. But he also happens to be the defensive player of the year. And he is the best paint and rim protector alive. He's the best paint and rim protector since prime Ben Wallace and prime Dwight Howard. Yeah. He's going to shut down the paint This is not a series where you have Jokic, a guy who has Rudy Gobert's number. I think, you know, like Jonas Valanciunas is a good player and one of the more underrated guys in the league. Again, not a guy who keeps me up at night. He might have a game where he gets you 20 and 10. He might have a game where he gets you 14 and 14. But like, is that enough? And if you're relying on Jonas Valanciunas to carry you in the playoffs, sorry, that's not enough. Right, and it's not, the thing about, I think some people are comparing like uh, Valanciunas's numbers to Gobert's numbers as if that, that that's a fair comparison. And I don't think that it is because Gobert is not asked that, like we've talked about before, he's no. taking a diminished role on the offensive end. And so like the, the Grizzlies need 20 and 10, 20 and 20 from Valanciunas. The Jazz do not need that from Gobert. It's his no. defense where they get things and him creating space and open shots on the offensive end. I don't want to, you know, keep piling on the Grizzlies. There are some things that they do well, and I think that we should bring those to light because mm-hmm. the Jazz are going to have to deal with those things. Sure. So the Grizzlies lead the league in basically – transition offense they lead Mm -hmm. the league in steals they lead the league in forcing turnovers they're the third best team at scoring off turnovers and they basically just have the best transition game in the league while that is something that you're going to have to pay a lot of attention to the jazz basically can just be like okay so we don't you know, try to get as many offensive boards and we just get back quicker I mean there's an easy way to fix that and it's get back I also think you're you're going to see the Jazz slow down the pace and really trying to grind it out, which is interesting that you're going to try to grind it out against the Memphis Grizzlies. The great Again, grind team. <laughs> poetic. Yeah. Poetry is the word of the day. Yeah, and uh, and like you said, the, the Grizzlies are so reliant on their half-court offense mm-hmm. because they're, they're, they're over-reliant on getting to the rim, and it's just not going to work against the Jazz. Um, that's a problem. Another problem for the Grizzlies is out of the top five players in the entire league, 
in personal fouls committed, they've got two of the top five in Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks. That's two of the top five in personal fouls committed. And we saw Valanciunas foul out. So you've got three guys where it's a big problem. And if I'm the Jazz, I'm looking at that and I'm like, cool. We go straight at them. Yeah, pick and roll all day long. Donovan, again, you got to be aggressive. You got to get that guy in foul trouble. Dylan Brooks leads the league in fouls committed as a perimeter guy. That is insane. Well, and I mean, I get it because he's all, I mean, like Royce O'Neal guards the most top tier talent in the league and Dylan Brooks is second in that category. Right. And so when you're, when you're forced to be guarding the guys who are the best, the craftiest, the, and have the most production on a team, then you're at risk of getting, of, you know, racking up fouls, but he does it better than anyone else (laughs) racking up fouls. (laughs) That is a stat to be proud of. Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem is, you know, if you're going to lose maybe three of your five best options in Brooks, Jackson, and Valanciunas to foul trouble, you, you have big problems. Yeah. I think you've got to really go hard at Triple J and Valanciunas in the pick and roll. And I, I will say, though, when they were playing the Warriors, um, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. got into foul trouble. He was like 14 minutes. He picked up four fouls. Yeah. And so they sat him down and they brought in Xavier Tillman. And that guy was insane. I was so impressed with the way that he played. And, uh, you know, quick note also, they brought in Xavier Tillman. And I was thinking, oh, they brought him in for a few minutes against the Lakers too. Where's Brandon Clark? And it turns out that Brandon Clark is just out of the rotation that they trust yeah. Til- they trust Tillman more to come in for those spot minutes. And he played 20 something minutes against the Warriors. And he, he absolutely dominated the minutes that he was in. Yeah. I mean, and that's, interesting. that's something to watch out for because I think that, you know, if they do, you know, have some foul trouble with Jackson and they bring in Tillman against the jazz, I think that, Tillman actually might have a little bit of an advantage against someone like Boyan or maybe Royce purely on strength. Mm-hmm. But again, if Xavier Tillman is, right. the, is the X factor and if you're losing a playoff series to him, like just pack it in, exactly. just go to the, go to the G league. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I think that it took a lot of things to go right for the Grizzlies to be able to get past the Warriors. Look, took a lot of wrong things going for the Warriors for them to fall to the Grizzlies in a seven-game series. I don't think it's going to happen again. And yeah, I think I think this is just going to be a a fairly easy but competitive series for the Jazz. Yeah, I think that's I'm I'm right there with you. I have picked the Jazz in five. I think I'll go with you, Jazz in five. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if they sweep, but ah, I'll give the Grizzlies one, Jazz in five. Do we want to say anything else about uh, any of the other series quickly? Maybe just give a prediction or uh, just say we don't care. (laughs) I do care. It's playoff basketball. Like, I will say this about on the pod. I want this on the record. I love the Utah Jazz. I grew up a Jazz fan. I grew up walking distance from the arena. I am, you know, a descendant of Jerry Sloan. This is, I covered the team in my 20s. This is a team that is very near and dear to my heart. However, I am a fan of basketball way more than I am a fan of the Utah Jazz. It's why I adored the Spurs teams growing up and those Houston Rockets teams, even though they beat beat the Jazz in the playoffs and have been uh 
LeBron James stand my entire life. I like beautiful basketball, and I think we're going to have a very exciting playoffs. And with that said, my predictions, I tweeted it out again if you want to follow me, at Dad Chamdad, Sixers in five, Nets in four, Bucks in six, Knicks in six in the Eastern Conference. Western Conference, Jazz in five, Lakers in seven, Nuggets in six, Clippers in six. I don't think that my predictions are going to be too much different. I think that the Knicks might actually do a little bit better. I think they're kind of just, I think I'm just going on feelings, uh, you know, love and happiness and feelings and emotions right now. And I think that the Knicks have a lot of that. So I'm going to say Knicks in five, Sixers in four. I think that they are going to, I think they're going to sweep. The we'll get Wizards. a rust game. Uh, I think we will get a rust game, but I don't know if it's going to be a much enough for them to actually win. We're going to see him go off for sure. Uh, but I'm, I just don't know what's going to come of that. I agree. Bucks and six. I think the nets are going to sweep. Yeah. Celtics are too beat up. It's unfortunate. I had, I actually had them picked at the beginning of the season to be in the finals, but like it has just simply not been their year. They just don't have enough right now. They just don't, especially without Jalen Brown, which get healthy King. Yeah. Get healthy. Uh, time lord also get healthy get that get that toe healthy (laughs) marcus smart get healthy i know that like you played but i know that you're also just yeah marcus smart's never 100 because like he spends 80 percent of the game on the floor yeah thick and jacked needs to be healthy Mm -hmm. lakers i do think that's going to be an incredibly competitive series but i think that the lakers might get that in five or six nuggets in seven Clippers in five. That's where I'm at. We're pretty I'm not close. Argue. We're not, we're not, we're not at odds with who we think are going to, are going to win the series, just how long it's going to take them to get there. I just can't wait. I'm very, very excited. Uh, playoff basketball is here and I'm going to nerd out so hard. It's the best time of the year. And just, you know, a little update. I know this is going to come out tomorrow, so it doesn't mean but uh bucks 94 heat 93 with three minutes and 20 seconds left in the game i I love playoff jimmy i know he's kind of a nerd and kind of a try hard but playoff jimmy is such a maniac he's so fun to watch very very fun to watch i'm looking forward to it you know what guys again we said it last time thank you so much for listening thank you so so much for doing all of the things which we're going to ask you to do again follow us you can follow Greg, as he said, at Dad Sham Dad. You can follow me at NBA Sarah on the socials. You can follow the podcast at Unsalvageables, that's plural, on Twitter. Like, rate, review, subscribe, download. We are available almost everywhere you can think of. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Podcast Addict. Find us at all the places. Listen, uh, and thank you so much for coming and we will see you next time.